Our scripture today comes from Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to begin reading verse 13. These are familiar passages if you've read the scripture because Galatians was one of the first books of the New Testament written, written by Paul to Gentile believers who had come out of paganism, who needed to know how do we live in our world? How do we live for God? How do we do all that we can to glorify and honor him? Well, in our day, we need to know the same thing. We need to know the challenge of dealing with our old self. We need to know the challenge of dealing with our our sinful nature and to find the help that comes from God. Here's what Paul said about it to the church in, in Galatia. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, free in Christ, free under the law, simply free. You and I are as well. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, and that's Paul's word, for our sinful human nature, the old person, the old person redeemed by the blood of Christ, Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then Paul draws a dramatic contrast between the flesh and the spirit. For the acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Do you ever 
find yourself asking this question, what in the world is happening in America? And when I ask that, your mind goes into a hundred different areas, some of them very prominent, very at the forefront of everything. You might have seen this week in America, not not the biggest things that we're dealing with, but maybe symptomatic of all the things that we're dealing with is all of the cheating that has gone on in tournaments. Now, this is not Major League Baseball, although they've had their plenty of share of cheating. And this is not the Super Bowl, although the Super Bowl has had its plenty of cheating. Of all things, in a poker tournament. Now, most likely, you, don't, you aren't surprised about that. But a $265,000 jackpot of a poker tournament, and they had to overturn everything because of cheating. Now, I expected that, I guess. I mean, we're just conditioned to believe that gambling and cheating are not very far apart. So we understand that part. But did you ever think in a fishing tournament there would be cheating? (laughs) A $30,000 jackpot happened somewhere up north. They were fishing for walleye, so it had to be somewhere different from here. And the judge of the tournament, guess what his name was? Fisher, F-I-S-C-H-E-R. So the judge of the tournament just looks at those fish and he says, you know, they just don't look right. They don't look like they weigh that much. And he got a fillet knife and and ripped one of them open and ball bearings went everywhere. Cheating in a fishing tournament. Or who would have thought in a chess tournament. And then I think everybody wants to know, how could you cheat at chess? And yet, everything in the chess world is turned upside down and everybody has an opinion. What in the world is happening in America? Well, you and I know, we know so very well because we know that we struggle. That's what Paul said in in Romans chapter 7, a very powerful, strong passage of Scripture, a very difficult passage of Scripture. Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death and sin? Paul said, the thing I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And there's a real question in theological studies. What was Paul talking about? Was he talking about the time before he was a believer? Or was he talking about after being a believer? 
Now, I want you to know, through all of my years, I've vacillated between one side and the other. And it's not a question of who believes the Bible and who doesn't believe the Bible. It's not a question of good theology, bad theology. You read the, the arguments on both sides of each view, and, you, and I always say I hate to be a two-handed preacher on the one hand, on the other hand. But when you come to that passage of Scripture, I can see those people who say this had to be the time before Paul became a believer. And I can see those who say, no, this is describing after he had become a believer. And today, I fall on that after. Because there are sometimes I look at my life and, and I say, I did exactly what I didn't want to do. And I don't do the things I so desperately want to do. And so the challenge for us today may be the biggest challenge of all. How do we deal with our old sinful nature? How do we deal with the old person? How do we deal with this culture in this world into which we were born, a world of sin and rebellion, a world that could be described as we do the things we don't want to do and we don't do the things we do want to do? So how do we deal with our old nature? How do we handle it? How do we do what God wants us to do? Because after all, you don't come to church saying, let me go and see how rebellious I can be. Let me go and see how unconcerned with the things of God that I can be. No, we come here because we want to do that which pleases God, and we don't want to do that which, did, which doesn't please God. So how do we handle it? Well, I think the thing that Paul wants us to see, Paul wants us to recognize the war that is going on inside us. In fact, he calls it a conflict. In, in, verses, in verse 16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, and the flesh being the sinful human nature into which we were born. So if we walk by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God leads us or guides us or walks arm in arm with us, we will not, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do, listen to this, so that you are not to do whatever you want. We live in a world that believes it can do whatever we want. That there's no law, there's no spirit, there's no God, there's no church, there's no family, there is no 
nation. We live in a world of, of new communism that hates the family, hates God, and, and hates the nation states of the world that desires that we live apart from God. So, so Paul says, you and I, we, we, we do not live in the world that, that you do whatever you want. We have to recognize that there is a war going on and that there is the flesh and that the spirit. And when you walk in the spirit, you do not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the call. And we have to understand what the battle is and what the war is. And the war is inside of us. How do we handle this? So we recognize what is going on within us. Paul said that in Romans chapter 7, this whole idea of what I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I do. A second thing we have to do is we have to recognize, you have to know who the enemy is. You have to recognize that we will never be far from sin and temptation, that in this world it will always be around us because we live in a fallen world. We always want to know, why does this happen, and why does this happen, and why does this happen? Uh, sometime years ago, somewhere right after Katrina, one of our young people said, why are there hurricanes? Well, who knows? But in a sense, we do know. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, the whole world groans for the day of redemption. Not just you and me, but all of this whole sinful, broken world. And we have to recognize that's where we live. And instead of, of being uh, disgusted with it, we have to recognize that we live in this kind of world and that we've been put here for a purpose, for the work of telling people about Christ, that there is hope that even though all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that even though sin brings on death, the wages of sin is death, that God has done something for us to bless us, to help us, to be with us. We have to recognize that sin and temptation are never far away, that there is that conflict between the two. Paul said these words, and it's for, for believers. It's for you and me. That, that yes, we are free in Christ. But we can't use that freedom as a pretext to indulge the flesh and to follow the ways of the flesh. It's amazing the way Paul describes it. He gives us the two sides. He gives us the two ways. He describes, he says, for the flesh, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And he goes through those, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. 
The word for witchcraft, witchcraft is a very interesting word because the Greek word is the word we get the word pharmacy. Because the, the witchcraft, because the wizards used drugs to whip up its frenzy. It's amazing how there's nothing new under the sun. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions. And he goes on to describe these things. And here's what he says. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, there's something that within us that wants us to say, that's my verse. Because we're afraid that maybe if we let ourselves be free, that if we are led by the Spirit, that we won't keep ourselves in close proximity. And sometimes we think this will help the world control itself. What Paul apparently means is this, that those who go on practicing these things show that they are not a part of the kingdom of God. You may use the word universalism. There's a whole group of people who believe that eventually universalism will occur, that eventually everybody, somehow or the other, that everyone will be saved and that all will go to heaven. But this verse tells us about the lostness of human beings, about the sadness of those who live apart from God and live away from God. For I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Every time I, I read these two, I always have to ask myself the question. I, it's a pretty quick answer. And it'll be a quick answer when I ask you, which one of these would you rather live in? Immorality, impurity, Hatred, dissensions, envy, jealousy are love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness. It's pretty easy when you put them side by side. We have to recognize that we are never far from sin and temptation but that God has done something for us to bless us and help us that we might live for him and honor him. So how do we handle the old person? How do we handle the temptation, the sin that is never far away? Because we've been encompassed with it, with this society and this culture and this world. How do we handle it? So there, he's heard of the things that are said. You, you put on the armor of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about that. And Ephesians is written to the church. 
and written to the church. Here is the way we do it. Put on the full armor of God. Listen to these words. This is the way Paul describes it. Finally, be strong in, in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not what you can do, but what he can do. Not in your strength, but in his strength. In verse 13, he says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. And then he says, stand firm then. And he talks about the armor that you're to put on. And I always get caught up in seeing the physical armor. The belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit. But what God wants us to see is not the helmet, not the sword, not the belt, not the breastplate, but he wants us to see salvation and righteousness and truth and faith and the Spirit, because that's our armor. It's what God has done for us. It's what He continues to do for us that we might be able to stand firm in that evil day and having done all to stand. There's a fourth way we handle this evil world and, and where we are, and that is to be filled with the Spirit. Paul says it this way, so walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the old human sinful nature. Walk by the Spirit. So we're to be filled with God's Spirit. Now let's take some basic theology here. One God three persons, but only one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And a simple way is to understand it is this, that God, the, God, the one God has revealed himself as three persons. And we have seen God the Father, we have seen God the Son, and we have seen God the Spirit. God the Father sent God the Son into the world. He suffered on our behalf. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He was crucified by evil, sinful men, and God raised him from the dead. And that resurrection is at the heart of everything that we have and everything that we are. Do you know in the, in the book of Acts, there are numbers of sermons. Paul preached them. Paul gave his testimony three times. Stephen preached a sermon. Peter preached sermons. Do you know in the book of Acts, there is never a sermon in which the resurrection is not mentioned and not at the center of everything that goes on. No wonder Paul said, if there is no resurrection of Christ, then we are of all people most to be pitied. This is the heart of who we are and what God has done for us. So God sent his son, but his son voluntarily limited himself. 
He was not in America and in Israel at the same time. He was not in Galilee and Jerusalem at the same time. He was human, completely human and completely divine, and he limited himself. And Jesus, as he was preparing the disciples, particularly in John 13 through 17 in the upper room, he told them again and again that he was going away and, and it was going to be very imminent. He was going away, and when he went away, it would be good for them. I love that passage. It says the disciples were exceedingly sorrowful. And I think that what that means is they loved Jesus. And they couldn't imagine their lives without him. But Jesus said, it's actually advantageous that I go away. One time he says, when I go, the Father will send the Spirit. Another time Jesus said, I will send the Spirit. The Father and the Son are one, one God, not three gods, one God. I will send the Spirit, and the Spirit will be your counselor, your advocate. He will be the one who is with you, and he will not be limited by space and geography. He will not be limited by time. He will not be limited by being a human being, but he will be in you, and the Spirit is given. And here's the basic theology. When we trust Christ, when we repent of our sins, turn our back on our sins, and open ourselves to God, and by the way, remember, in Scripture, repentance is a necessity. It is imperative that we turn from our sinful ways that we say to God, it's not a vow of purity, it's not a vow of perfection, because we do have this old sinful human nature. But it is imperative that we say to God, God, I do not want this anymore. That's why Paul can say that those who live in this impurity and debauchery and factions and anger and hatred, they can never enter into the kingdom of God. They haven't repented. They haven't turned their back on these things. When we repent, when we trust Christ, when we give our lives unto him, something very special happens. God's Spirit is given to us. You can't be saved without the Spirit of God at work. And from that point on, even though you may be like me, I was nine years old, I'm not sure I knew much about the Holy Spirit when I was saved. And yet the Spirit of God came to work within me and has never left me nor forsaken me. Just as Jesus said. And so every one of us has this tremendous reservoir of help and strength within us. It is the Spirit of God. Walk by the Spirit and you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. When Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said, don't be drunk with wine wherein is debauchery, but be 
filled with the Spirit. Be under the influence of God's Spirit. And the, the, the tense of the verb in Ephesians means something that is continuous. And so I put it this way. Be daily filled with the Spirit. Seek daily to walk according to the things of God and the ways of God. Seek daily to be obedient unto Him and to do what He wants us to do. And then you have strength and power and help to deal with the struggles of this world and what is happening around us and the pressures of the world. Be filled with the Spirit of God. The fifth thing that Paul says that is at the heart of all of this is that we are to live by the Spirit. And when we let God's Spirit work within us to do great and mighty things, what an amazing thing happens. Live by the Spirit and you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. God has given you and me everything that we need. God has given us all that we need to know Him and to live for Him and to serve Him. And I am convinced that God is so pleased in those days when we come before Him humbly and we say, God, I want to walk by the Spirit and I want to be filled with Your Spirit. And I want to please you this day. And I believe that's what God wants from His church. That we seek to please Him. You, you read these words, think of this, it's amazing. Paul said, the whole law can be fulfilled in this command, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, those are powerful words. But then Paul says, if you bite and devour each other, that's the, that's the picture of two lions seeking to devour one another. Sometimes I'm afraid that the church looks like two lions. Sometimes I'm afraid that, that Christians sometimes look like two lions. But Paul says if we live, if we walk and live by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Since we're all in this together, since we're all sinners, and we've, we've come to know our wonderful Savior, since we've been filled with the Spirit of God, since the, the Spirit has come to dwell within us, a one-time event, by the way, but being filled with the Spirit, a repeated event. Since we have this help, we come to God and we say, God, I want to please you. Not just on Sunday, but at work and at school and at home and in all of my interactions and in all of the things that I do that I 
please you. And I pray today that that would be the response of everybody here. And I know that there are people who need to come here and pray and pray with a pastor and maybe confess sin, maybe say, I want to turn away from the sin that has been so prevalent in my life, and I want to live for God. And I know that there are people who have not yet come to that point of trusting Christ and do not at this point have the Spirit of God within you, but God died for you. He gave His Son for you. And I want to ask you to give yourself unto God. Let's pray together, please. God, thank you for giving us your Son. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. Would you please work within us? Draw us to yourself. Help us to come unto you to seek you with all our hearts, all of our minds, all of our strength, and honor you. God, I pray for those people who are struggling right now with faith, the world pulling them one way and, and your spirit at work within them. God, help them to surrender to you and to find the strength and the help they need.